you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Had enough of those supplements that leave you feeling nothing? Symbiotica is your solution to great-tasting all-natural supplements that actually work. Crafted with premium plant-based ingredients, their products have no seed oils, fillers, or artificial nonsense. It's just pure goodness in every pouch. Try them out and actually feel the difference today. Visit Symbiotica.com and use code IHEART for 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Again, that's 15% off plus free shipping on your subscription order. Go to Symbiotica.com. That's C-Y-M-B-I-O-T-I-K-A.com. What's up, everybody? I'm Jamel Hill, and you are listening to Huddle and Flow with my boy Steve Weish and Jim Trotter. They're awesome. They're amazing. Keep listening, or I'll come after you. We are back again on the Huddle and Flow podcast. It's presented by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. I am Steve White, here with my guys Jim Trotter and our producer Thomas Warren on the ones and twos. We are the Howard Mob. Jim, you know, we we talked a whole lot about HU and the Mecca and everything on this podcast. We're serving it up today. We, we, we are serving it up on this podcast today because we're going to be joined by our fellow Bison, Antoine Bethea, 14-year NFL, NFL veteran who just announced his retirement. And also on Wednesday, Kamala Harris, another Bison, was uh, sworn in as vice president of the United States. So it's, it's definitely a, a shining moment for us. My classmate, Kamala. Claim it, Jim. I claim it, even though I never knew her at Howard, or if I did walk by her, I didn't know it. But I'm a claimer anyway, because that's how proud I am of her and our university. So, yeah, my classmate. How's that? <laughs> there you go. Hey, we got some, I mean, we've got some interesting stuff to talk to, because on the same day that Kamala and Joe Biden were sworn in uh, to the White House, Philip Rivers, a guy you know well, you got you covered for a long time, your days covering the Chargers, he announced his retirement and, and Jim this is I don't think it was necessarily unexpected kudos to him for making his decision clearly um and when he did it helps out the Colts knowing how they've got to move forward um at that position but Jim what can you just kind of tell us about Philip his career arc and him making this decision now you know Philip was one of those guys that you you that if you knew him you rooted for him just because he was such a good dude you know from the outside Players didn't like him early on. 
because he would talk a lot of trash. And the funny thing was, he always talked G-rated trash. You know, <laughs> it, was, it was never malicious. It was never personal. And I tell this story like some of his friends were telling me one time he'd play pickup basketball games. And he would sit over in the corner and he would drain these threes. And each time he would hit a three, he would say to the guy guarding him, you know, um, you going to let me have that? And I remember that Champ Bailey back in the beginning did not like Philip, you know. And then once he got to know him, he did like him. And that was the thing with Philip. Once you knew him, you knew that there was nothing malicious in what he was doing. Um, he's just a very talkative guy. And he had that Southern twang and the, the dad gummit and didn't curse. The one thing I think people from the outside might not know is that, you know, Philip had that dog in him too. Because the untold story is he had to sit the bench for two years behind Drew Brees. And it was told to me, and I and you can take it as gospel, that if the team had signed Drew Brees to an extension after that second year, Philip was going in asking for a trade. He want he wanted to play. He knew he could play, and that's kind of who he was. So for all of that good guy, all shucks, this, that, and the other, he had some dog in him when it came to certain things. And um, he put up a lot of numbers, and the discussion about Hall of Fame will be interesting when it comes around because you know how I feel about the importance, particularly with quarterbacks, stepping up in big games, which the postseason is, and there's some there's some holes there. Yeah, look, a lot, a lot of – Coaching stuff around the NFL will flat out just tell you, like, Philip was a great player, but that postseason stuff, you just kind of knew. You kind of knew that, you know, he, you, you could, you could get to him, you could do some things. Um, but look, post career, we know he's, he's going to go coach high school football. Maybe he'll broadcast game for the Nickelodeon network. I think that would, <laughs> he'd be perfect because <laughs> he's got, he's got eight, 18 kids. Right. And, he, right. and, you know, he's got that dad gum all shuck stuff. So I think he'd be great for Nickelodeon because um, they did a fantastic job with Nate Pearlson and their crew doing the playoff game. I actually loved it and watched that broadcast. So that would be fantastic. But, Jim, also this this kind of leads to a bigger discussion. And we're going to ask Antoine Bethea about this as well because he he played against all these quarterbacks. But it might it, it might not be just Phillip. It could be Ben Roethlisberger. We know Drew Brees is done. OK. And. I don't think Tom Brady is done, but I mean, there's there's always that possibility. Not only could a glut of greatness be retiring all in the same block, but the potential quarterback movement, you got to fill those voids. And I, I think the potential for crazy trades on draft day can happen um, or beforehand because, you know, people are going to move up to try to get some quarterbacks. Some of the veteran quarterbacks who could be on the move, Jimmy G, Jameis, Deshaun Watson. I mean, it, it, it could be – I think this offseason is going to be absolutely spectacular in terms uh, of that. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. I think the – obviously the the big fish in that pond is Deshaun. And, look, right now I think almost every team in the league is looking for a way to see if they can put together a deal to try and get him out of Houston. It better. And deservedly so. Um, but, yeah, you know, one guy we left off as well could be Carson Wentz. Yeah, uh, there just is the possibility of a lot of movement. But at the same time, I'll say this, and you know this, the one thing that we've seen this year and, and the last couple of years is that we've seen young quarterbacks really sort of flash and show that the league is going to be in a good place when these guys do step down. Um, it's time for some of these guys to move on because truthfully, Stephen, I think you know this, it's hard, you know, it's hard watching your 
the guys that when you've seen them in their prime at their highest of highs to see that they can't still do some of the things they've done. Like, it's almost like when I watch Muhammad Ali, you know, right. at the end, it's like, ah, don't do it. Don't do it. You know? And for some of these quarterbacks, it's the same way. It's like, ah, don't do it. And so selfishly, maybe I'm happy to see some of them moving on at this point um, because it's time. You know, you think about some of this potential movement as well. I mean, you saw what happened to the Patriots this year when they lose Tom. I mean, you put Cam in there and it didn't work. So I just think this is going to be absolutely intriguing. Again, we're going to talk to Antoine Bethea about this in, in, in just a minute. But Jim, let's get to this Deshaun Watson thing. I know we've talked about it a little bit and how teams and what teams, you know, should be trying to do to get him. What do you think would be if you could put Deshaun anywhere just in a, in a, in a crazy fantasy football scenario, whatever? Oh, for me, what, San Francisco. Yeah. I would love to see him with Kyle Shanahan, um, you know, in terms of Deshaun's ability and intellect um, with Kyle's play design and play calling, I think would just be off the charts. So, look, the one time that that Kyle Shanahan did have that that guy, look, look at the numbers Matt Ryan put up in that season they were together. I think Deshaun would eclipse that. Um it would just be spectacular. So if I and and look, let's let's put all our cards on the table too. I'm a San Francisco native, so was born in San Francisco. <laughs> so I'm speaking selfishly here too. Um, but I would love to see Deshaun Watson wind up in in 49er colors. The most gangster, the most gangster move in this would be, and and trust me, one thing in the NFL is you know not to put anything past anybody is if Sean Payton and the Saints. Could get could get him to New Orleans because you talk about seeing him with Kyle. I would love to see Deshaun Watson get with the Saints. He's playing in a dome. He's playing with arguably the greatest play designer, schemer, whatever. I mean, you know, Kyle's Kyle's in that conversation as well. But man, if if Sean Payton again, and I am not putting it past any team like that. You know, I, I here's the only reason I do put it past the Saints, Steve. We know that that if Deshaun is going to be moved, it's going to take a heck of a package to get him out of there. And when you start looking at who has what to give, oh well, the, the Saints don't have, in my opinion, the ammunition um, to make that deal. I think if you're talking San Francisco, you could say, I'll give you Jimmy G, and I'll give you a couple of number ones, and our number ones are high, at least this coming season it's high. Um, and that's a lot more attractive than what I think the Saints could give to uh houston for deshaun but there would be other teams interested as well um so i mean well, that's where the dolphins really come into play i mean if the yeah. dolphins are serious they they can they can give they can give houston the picks back that they got from houston in the laramie Tunsil trade yes sir and um this is going to be fascinating i you know and and what's so fascinating about it is you know steve there was a time you never heard of quarterback movement particularly when it related to a young franchise quarterback it was just unheard of. You don't you don't even talk about it because it's not going to happen. And now we're talking about guys who were, you know, um, highly drafted first round picks who some of whom were on second contracts potentially being moved. That That's just that's crazy. But it's part of, you know, 
it's what's going to drive this offseason that I think is going to be like no other that we've seen. And we're just coming off an offseason that was like no other dealing with this pandemic. And, and let's not forget, things ain't all uh, grits and gravy out in Los Angeles with the Rams between Sean McVay and Jared Goff either. They've they've got some things they've got to work through um, as well. And we know the Rams are, are players when it comes to making big deals, seeing what they did getting guys like Marcus Peterson, Jalen Ramsey, and, and players like that uh, along the way. All right, Jim. Uh, let's come in and bring in our guy, Antoine Bethea, because this is going to be a fun conversation. And for uh, anybody, you know, who's tired of hearing about Howard University, too bad because you're about to hear about it a little bit more. So on that note, let's bring in our guy, Antoine Bethay. All right, Jim, now we're joined by our special guest and our fellow Howard U alum, Antoine Bethay. Antoine, welcome to the Huddle and Flow podcast. Man, appreciate you guys, man. Appreciate you for having me, for sure. Where we, I, I'm trying to figure out, Twine, you ain't got no gear on, man. Hey, look, come on now. Trust me, trust me. I was, um, it was already set in my mind, you know, I was going to show the love, but I had to fly out. And, um, you know, I'm here today in Virginia, man. So I, I, it, it was tough, man. But uh, trust me, trust me, it's, it's, it's Howard in the heart. I got you. See, I got you. see and, it, and it's a special time, Jim, because as we know, on Wednesday, the latest bison of greatness, Kamala Harris, was sworn into office as the first woman vice president, first bison yeah. vice president. Can't say the first bison in the White House. We've had some people tr- step through there, but it, it, it is a, it's such, isn't this such a proud moment, like a proud time for us, Antoine? No, nah, it is, man. And I know people around the world, man, they get tired of hearing it. You know, Howard, man, we 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 everywhere, you know. But um, but to see her, the vice president, you know, it, it's beautiful. And it, it just goes to show that um I know everybody has that stigma as far as, you know, um I'm I'm not gonna attend an HBCU because it doesn't get us ready for the real world. And obviously we can throw that out the window just because, you know, you can kind of see people all over from HBCUs um doing major things so um you know like you said as a as a bison we're definitely proud we're happy and i'm um, excited yeah it's my classmate even though I, you know i just wonder in my mind how many times did i cross paths <laughs> you know up on the yard or something but uh yeah. i think we came out the same year that's crazy man jim never hollered antoine jim I never hollered i did no no i i was spoken for so no i was good man that's the crazy thing about it, though. It's like you're walking on campus and you having class with people not knowing where they're going to be 10, 15, 20 years down the line. And for you to sit here and say, like, you know, you had class with or how many times did you walk past and never even probably said a word to her. And now it's like, look, you know, she's the, she's the vice president. So that's crazy. Well, Anthony, I, w- I want to kind of get to this because um, we know also on Wednesday, one of the, the NFL greats and Phillip Rivers um decided to retire of course that's about 10 12 days after you officially made it uh announced your retirement um we'll get to you in just a minute but what, what about what about philip and, and everything that he he brought to the nfl man did it for a long time um he did at a high level uh very consistent put up the numbers um played the game the way the, the, the position was supposed to be played 
And, um, you know, hats off to him. You know, he got us, you know, when I was with the Colts, um, they got us out the uh, the playoffs a couple of times, man. And, you know, he's definitely, um you know, one of the greats. He's going to be in the Hall. Um, first battle, I'm not sure. But I definitely think he might be in the Hall. Um, I see Jim, you know, making those, uh, making them faces. I, I, I think so. It's going to be one of them tough. Them tough calls. Um, obviously, you know he didn't he didn't make it to the big game, but I mean, if you we talk the numbers, obviously the game is different now with the quarterbacks and how the game is is changed. But I mean, you know, I, I think one day he'll he'll get in the hole. Twan, I respect you, man, but I, you talk about numbers now. Five and seven in the playoffs, only three games where he threw for more than 300 yards, only three games with three touchdowns or more, had four playoff games where he didn't throw for a touchdown. And in fact, when he did throw for a lot of yards, they were one and two, which meant those yards were coming. Coming when they were behind. Yeah. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, like I said, you know, and, and I know you, you know, you in the rooms, you know what I'm saying? So we kind of already see where you're going with that, but um, – I just think it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough it's gonna be a tough decision. You know what I mean? It, it's definitely gonna be a tough decision. But so we'll see. But I think he, he had a he had a great career, man. A uh, long journey, seventeen years. Hold, hold up now. Now this to me this is interesting because Jim and Antoine. This creates a lot of the great debate as you have media members voting on this, and now we do have some you know former players and, and coaches in the room as well. But Antoine, who played against him, had a D against him, was like, this dude's a Hall of Famer. I, I, look, you know, I, you know, obviously you had Peyton, you had, you had Tom, you had Drew Brees, like you said, Ben, um, Eli. You know, I, I feel like those are all, you know, elite, elite guys. And I think Phillip, again, um, not first ballot, but I think down the line, he will make it. You know, for me, it's like, you know, and obviously, Jim, you, you ran down. Um, the numbers as far as you know, big time games. You know, is he is he showing up in the big time games? And obviously, at that quarterback position, you need that that position to show up in big time games. And the stats he just threw out, uh, he didn't. So if that quali- you know, one of the qualifications for him getting into the hall, then you know, I I, I can take that. But I also want to. I don't want to. When you talk about seventeen years, and you know the work that he put in, and the product he put out on the field. Do you take away what what are those eight games and that defines his career? No, I don't think I don't think it necessarily defines his career, but I can go back through the regular season, particularly later, and show you games where in those moments of you gotta deliver, it wasn't delivered. And you know, look, I'm I'm gonna be honest here. I'm conflicted because I, I never like what is perceived to be dumping on a guy in his moment right when he retires and whatnot. But it's a conversation that people bring up right away and they throw out Hall of Fame like everybody's a Hall of Famer. And my attitude is, and I'm being completely frank here, man, the Hall of Fame is supposed to be for the elite of the elite and the special, not the Hall of Very Good or the Hall of Very, Very Good. You're supposed to be great. And I think the word great gets overused too much. And for me, it's almost like it should be guys like Jim Brown, Jerry Rice, um, you know, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, where all you got to do is say their name and there's no discussion. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, and there are times I ask myself, if we have to sit and discuss it, is the dude really a Hall of Famer? Good point, good point. You know? Yeah, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, so 
I, look, I understand, and and I don't, and I'm not trying to pick on Philip here, but I understand guys who put up a lot of numbers over the years and and those sorts of things. But I just believe that great players in those moments deliver. So, so my thing. So another. So as a player, and I'm looking at other players. So, um, or Carlos Dansby, right? Or Carlos mm-hmm. Dansby, where people don't people don't mention his name when it comes to the hall. Played on horrible teams, right? Right. But his numbers, you can align his numbers up there with Ray Lewis, Brian Urlacher, who's in the in in the in in the hall. You look at London Fletcher. You know it wasn't, you know his name. He wasn't a flashy player or whatever the case may be. But as a player, and I'm looking at that. Yep, he's to me he's he's one of the one of the greatest linebackers that play the game. You talk about a Fred Taylor again. Like he didn't he didn't play on these um, great teams or he wasn't he wasn't in the playoffs um, to 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 show up at these big time moments. But when you talk about what his product that he produced on the field, you can't tell me when I would go up go up against him twice a year that he's not one of the greatest running backs that ever played the game. So again, I know when we talk about, you know, showing up in these big time moments and, you know, having these rings and, and having all pros, that's cool. Like, you know what I mean? And and that's as looking at it, like week in and week out every Sunday. And we're in the film room and like, yo, bruh, this dude's a dog. And we we got 60 <laughs> minutes, but we gotta we gotta we gotta handle this dude. I just kind of figured, you know, for me, that's old a, a a lot, a lot more weight where rather than did he get a ring. Absolutely. And that's why I mean I'm being frank here. I don't I don't put um, the ring emphasis on on that for a lot of people. Fred Taylor, in my opinion, is a Hall of Famer. I'm with you. I think Jimmy Jimmy Smith was one of the great receivers who doesn't get his due, in my opinion. You know, Sterling Sharp, they hold against him, saying he didn't play long enough. But Sterling Sharp was a dominant, dominant receiver. So, And I'll give you a guy at your position who, who speaks to those facts that you're talking about. Adrian Wilson. He played on terrible teams out in Arizona. Adrian Wilson was a straight-up dog, you know, who belongs in that conversation and to have a chance to be in that room. So, no, you're absolutely right, and that's where I always pause and say, even though I say it should be a no-brainer, you shouldn't have a discussion, there are guys like that who are on bad teams um, who you need to have that discussion to bring it out because you might not see them a lot simply from the standpoint that because they because their teams weren't good, they weren't on TV, or you weren't being sent to their games to cover their games. So I agree with you on that 100%. Yeah, that, that's a big point that Aeneas Williams made when he made the haul because he was like – I played on nothing but bad teams, but I'm glad they saw through that. Hey, Antoine, also, you know, I want to bring in the fact you can have some of these discussions on your man-to-man podcast that you do with Darius Williams. Uh, I'm sorry, Darius Butler. I don't know why I call him Darius Butler. Um, yep. You know, a former former DB. It's a really, really good podcast. But I, on this Phillip Rivers debate, let, let's expand it a little. Because it looks like we're also going to be losing Drew Brees. Could be losing Big Ben. Could be losing Tom Brady. What about the greatness of those guys? But then what about the potential shuffling? I mean, the quarterback movement that could happen. Because I think this summer it's going to be absolutely insane. So start over the greatness, man. I, I think I'm with you. I, I, I feel as though Tom is going to come back to play another year. Um, I think early in the year they really didn't um, uphold that standard. But I think down the stretch and in the playoffs, they're starting to click, and then just to be able to get a um a off season with 
Antonio and Mike Evans and Gronk and, you know, O.J. Howard coming back. I just think that offense could, could be scary with them getting the, um, an offseason uh, together. So I think Tom is, is coming back. He, you know, the GOAT, man, and he he's showing it. And then, like you said, you know, with Drew, um, with Big Ben, man, those guys that, that that's done it on a high level, um, as Jim said, you know, making their teammates better around them and what they've been a- able to do. Uh, for their communities as well. I uh, know I seen one of my former teammates, Tyron Matthew, kind of mentioned what Drew Brees meant to the city of New Orleans, man. And um, so that's just big. So just definitely him leaving his footprint on that city and on the game, um, and just transferring over to what you were saying as far as like the off season, how this quarterback movement could be, man. It's gonna be exciting, you know. Even with you know with the guys that's uh, potentially retiring. But then even, you know, you're talking about Deshaun Watson and, you know, the situation out there in Houston and what 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 that could what uh what that could do. Um, you know, and, and if, if Drew Brees does leave, does do we see Jameis Winston get his shot or do they go with Taysom Hill? Um so it's gonna be interesting, man. It's a, it's gonna be a lot for y'all for y'all to, to write about and report about. No, 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 you're part of it now. You're part of it I'm now. Don't even, <laughs> front. Don't even front. No. And and by the way, Taysom Hill showed us that it's Jameis or somebody else. Twan, I want to transition to, we talked about a lot of other players, but I want to talk about your career because I, I, I truly believe you haven't gotten the, the just that you deserve. You know, um, I remember having this conversation with Jim Caldwell one year in Indy, and we were talking about what you meant to that defense that year. And, you know, you talk about the Robert um, Mathesis, the Dwight Freenies, all of those guys, Gary Brackett and whatnot. And I remember Jim basically saying, you were that guy that at that time that was kind of holding it down for that unit and bringing it around. You were never a real vocal guy. I mean, in terms of media and all that sort of stuff. And, and, and I'm just curious, when you came into the league, did you ever envision you were gonna play 209 games, you know, coming out of, coming out of the Mecca, um, just looking for a way that you, number one, you were going to start right away. And two, you were going to play 209 games. What was, what, what, what was it like for you coming in? Man, you know, for me, coming, like you said, coming from the Mecca, it was all about just getting the opportunity, you know? Um, and I tell people all the time when those scouts would come into the, into the, um, into cook hall, man, and just look at the film, you know, it will, it will be a lot of, negativity you know not 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 100 but it would be a lot of negativity just um you know the level of play that you're playing against and um not really seeing my game translate um to the nfl so for me uh just to be able to get invited to the combine to kind of you know you know ask some of these guys up that's coming from ohio states or whatever and just to kind of you know see where i was at and to get the opportunity man get drafted in the sixth round I would. I never thought I'd play 209 games. I definitely didn't think that I was going to be um, a starter my rookie year, that first game playing in New York. Not saying that I was doubting myself, but you know, just just being real and keeping it, keeping it, keeping it funky. I'm like, okay, I'm gonna have my opportunity. You know, I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna make some plays on special teams, and you know, I'm gonna have me uh, a decent career. Uh, but once I was able to get in, man, and that opportunity presented itself, you know, and that's when I was like, okay, well, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to let this go. Uh, I'm going to run with this. And, you know, 14 years later, man, like you said, 209 games, um, it, it's been a blessing and it's been a wonderful ride. Can you speak to what, what it means for those who might think 
that they have to go to an Ohio State or they have to go to a Clemson or one of those Power Five schools to really make it in the NFL. Can you speak to those out there that there is something to be said for being at a Howard or an A&T or someplace else um, and that you're not going to get lost in the process? Man, especially the climate we're in right now, um, you know, this would be a, a, a perfect time where, you know, um, uh, a player or whatever sport that you're playing, um, you can really focus on, uh, you know, I can go anywhere. And if I'm talented enough, um, I'll be able to extend my career out after the collegiate level. You know what I mean? So for me, being able to um, experience just a wonderful time, not only on the field, but outside of that, is something that I always talk about as far as attending the Mac and attending Howard University because, um, you know, I'm so I'm in the locker room with guys. I'm like, I'm, I promise you, my four years was, I get it, you was playing in, in front of 100,000 people on Saturday, but that's one day out of the week that I'm pretty sure you felt like it was something crazy. But I can give you seven days out of the week. You walk <laughs> on Howard campus, like your experience is going to be like no other. And it, it, that's, no that's other. Like that's whatever that's whatever you're looking for. I'm talking about you. It could be the, for the simple reason, like you in the middle of DC in Chocolate City, or you walking around campus and the ratio is fifteen to one. You know what I'm saying? Or you know it's middle of October and it's homecoming and you see Diddy or you see whoever walking on campus. So and then not to even and and this should have been the first, but. You know, you're looking at Elaine Locke. You're looking at Frederick Douglass. You know what I mean? You're talking about Charles Drew. It's these black figures that changed, changed the world. You know what I mean? Um, that walked the same campus as you did. So it just kind of talks about um, just knowing yourself as a black man. Um, and it just, it just brings strength as we all experience. Just so people know how, how Antoine did it, 14 seasons. He had eight seasons with 100-plus tackles, four of those consecutive seasons. I don't know how his body is still holding up. And then in three of his four final seasons, he had 100-plus tackles. So he's a DB, but you were asked to do an awful lot. Now, let's get back to what we were saying, because coming from an HBCU, because recently our guy Deion Sanders, who is now the head coach at Jackson State, at the um, SWAC Media Day, came out and pointed out the disparities that HBCUs have against the Power Five conferences and whatnot, saying he talked about how the playing field is horrible, how they have rickety training tables, outdated helmets, equipments, and pads, and to quote him says, it causes a kid not to dream. What are your kind of your thoughts? Because Dion, again, he's going to bring attention to HBCU football in the Jackson State, and for him to come out and point those things out and say some of the things he did. It's real. I mean, it's real. And, you know, outside looking in, you know, you, you, you'll hear a player who's attended uh, one of HBCU and you hear a player talk about it. But you really got to be in it to really understand, like, like, yo, it's a Division One program or Division Two program. You got some D3s or NAI schools that facilities – kill some of these HBCU, HBCU facilities, right? So when he talks talk about, you know, um, killing a, a, a child's dream, it depends on what, what that dream is. You know, for me, I still live my dream because my dream was to be able to play four years after high school and get my education pay, uh, paid for. So my dream, I was still able to live my dream. But so to what he's saying is that 
um, the level field isn't it, it, the playing field isn't level. And and somehow, some way, man, we got to change that. But I'm glad that he was able to go out on that limb. But I'm pretty sure he could have got jobs anywhere in the country. But for him to choose to go to Jackson State, um, it's going to open a lot of people's eyes. And even the youngsters, man, it, they're going to be able to, to, to see that, you know, like we just kind of spoke about, like we can go to HBCU and we can be successful um and, and make it to the next level man it's funny that that you brought that up because i this morning i had a i had a call with the coach larry scott um the head coach at uh at Howard university now and he was preaching some of the same things about what he's trying to do um at Howard university and it's, and it's a struggle yeah yeah That's hey Anton, hey me you and jim have all had conversations there with fundraising and stuff like that just on, honestly i mean and Antoine, I know you're part of this last year because you and I talked about it. I think Jim too. We're trying to, you know, we were trying to raise money to get living facilities for assistant coaches who are paid such a low salary they can't afford housing in DC. It's 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 crazy, man. And I mean, we some something has to give, you know, just because you know the mecca is the mecca, and you know when 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 people think about how they think about excellence, right? But then within, it's just like when – and I'm just speaking solely from the – looking at the football team, where when I was there, our weight room was in the basement of one of our dorms. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like that, and, re- and, reg- and regular students and regular students worked out in the weight room. And, and, it's, and it's crazy. And just even talking about the football field, right? Like we played in practice on the football field. The band practice on the football field. The soccer, the men's and women's soccer team practiced and played on the football field. The uh, the lacrosse but, team, like lacrosse you know team, and then on, on Sundays you might have the DC Cats um on their <laughs> play playing ball and soccer on the field too. So it's just it's crazy, man. The hard thing, and let's keep it one hundred right here with HBCUs and Antoine. You know this because I know Howard calls you a lot. Hmm. Is that the overall? University is not trying to spend the dollars on athletics. I mean, look, we talked to Doug Williams. We talked to Shaq here. I mean, Doug Williams and Shaq Harris, those are the two greatest, most famous football players in Grambling history. And they talked about when they worked there, coached there, whatever, they would have people want to donate money, and the university would say, well, this has to go into the general funds, you know, for libraries, you know, whatever, and we can't earmark it for athletics. And they're like, hold up. These people want to give it to athletics. Yeah. And so that they con- that's another constant battle that HBCUs have to go through. No, for sure. And you know, we 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 battle through that at Howard as well, man. Where me personally, like, look, I just want to donate to the football team. Or you have other alum alumni saying, you know, we just want to donate to the football team. And how you just expressed, like, well, this has to go to X, Y, and Z. But it's like, you know, if you get a big time donor that wants to donate X amount of million of dollars to the Howard University. Like why can't we? Why can't the athletic department get one percent of that five million dollars? Like that could do a lot for the whole the whole space. So it's 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 tough, man. Um, but a, another thing is that you know alumni, we gotta we gotta continue to push and we gotta continue to speak out. You know, Twan, I'm curious. Uh, the last time I was on campus, which was pre-COVID, couple of years, whatever, and I look up on the side of that brick building next to Greenfield. And there's your image, you know. What yeah. is that like when you go back and you see that? You know, they took it down. 
Um, did they? And I, yeah, they did. And I had mixed feelings. Even when they when they put it up, they had mixed feelings just because it was some greats before me that I felt as though it should just be me. It should be, you know, you got the Gary Fleurell where he's on the he's on the um the staff at Jackson State with Dion. You know, you had the Ted Whites, you had the the Jay Walker. Um, you had a lot of you had Tracy White. Even you know, you had a lot of guys that paved the way before me. So, um, it was definitely an honor to uh to be up there. But I had mixed feelings, man, because I felt as though um. It was some other players before me that had their just do and put their uh their footprint on the Howard Howard Athletics as well. Yeah, for me, when I was there, the one guy that was carrying it, he was as a freshman, was Harvey Reed. Harvey, Harvey Reed. Reed. Yeah. Harvey Reed, tailback. Yeah. He was nice. Yeah. He was nice. I think, he, I think he's still in the record books. Yeah, he was oof. I, th- I think he, was, he, he, spent, was he spent a little bit with a little time with the Bears. I think he's had, had you know some time with the Bears. Uh before it all ended. So, all right. So, Antoine, um, on this note, we had Michael Vick on a little while ago, too. Yeah. We know you are from the Hampton Roads, Tidewater 757 area. Yes, sir. And as, and, and as you all know, probably the most, most athletically rich per capita area of the United States. So, yep. Antoine, dig into your top five. Doesn't matter the sport. Mm-hmm. For your top five athletes from the seven five seven. So my top two is gonna be Ronald Curry. There it is. <laughs> Ronald Curry and AI. Those are my top two right there. Ronald sweet Curry. Pea? Ronald Curry AI. I'm Sweet P. Um I'm gonna go LT. Lawrence right. Taylor. Um and I'm gonna go Percy Harvin. Okay. No problem. No problem with that. It's so insane that when you think about it, because I mean, some people would be like Joe Smith, right? The basketball player, Alonzo Mourning. So when you D. say Hall. athletes, when you say <laughs> when you say athletes, that boy Percy, like I was hearing about Percy. Percy did it. Yeah. He won a state championship in football, then basketball, and then what he was doing on the track, track. was crazy yep. too. So yeah. then, like you know, you talk about Ron C. Man, he was uh. Mr. Bass, or uh, he was what NFL or uh, uh, high school Gatorade player of the year, and then that same year he was um McDonald's All American, you know what I mean? And then you know what AI did, man, it was just it was crazy. So you know, I'm, I'm forgetting a bunch of people, you know, even what Vic did, you know, Vic, um, you know, aren't the you know, Upton Cam, brothers, aren't the Uptons, the, up, the, the Uptons, the Upton brothers, um, Major League uh, Baseball. Justin Berlin. Yeah, it's it's a lot of David Wright. It's a lot of guys, man. So I know I'm missing. So that top five, man, you you can kind of be all over the place with that top five. You know, Twan, I'm I'm curious. Um, transition. I want to go back to the NFL for a minute. All that time you played, I just wonder if you could give us some background because you have keen insight into playing with some special players as well. And I wonder when we mention certain names, what stories come to mind for you um, when we mention those names? So, number one, obviously, is a guy who we voted on yes or um, Tuesday for the Hall of Fame, and that that's Peyton Manning. What's your favorite Peyton story? Favorite Peyton story, man. This is funny. So this is when I knew Peyton was the man, right? So we win. Uh, so we're uh, we win the AFC Championship, right? And I'm a rookie. 
and we're having this meeting, you know, with, you know, with the front office and coaches, players, and uh, they say, you know, you can bring uh, one significant other to this meeting, right? So we just been talking about logistics as far as tickets, hotel rooms, when we go down here to Florida, right? So, you know, um, it's Bill Polin, he's kind of talking about, you know, what's going on. You know, I'm, I'm 21, I don't have a significant other, so I'm just dead listening, I'm happy that I'm just going to the Super Bowl, right? So okay. um, it was like, you know, we have, we have this room, you know, we want our, our wives and kids to stay in the room with us so we can give, um, allocate the other rooms to, you know, family members. So, you know, Peyton stands up like, you know, I don't know if I want, you know, kids and, you know, wives on the same floor that I'm staying on um, while I'm getting ready for the game. So, you know, Bill Polden, like, you know, we'll think about that. That's a good point. We'll think about that. And I'm in my, and I, in my head, I'm like, that is a great point. So you kind of go, Bill Polden gets to talking like another minute or two. And then Peyton stands up again and says, you know what? Don't think about it. Let's make that happen, right? So I'm like, wow. Right? I'm like, wow. So, so you know, like I said, I don't have any significant other, but I'm looking at the the other guys in my mind. I'm like, yo, y'all got to stand up for yourselves. Y'all got your wives here. Y'all can't let this go like this. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, so you better bet it. When we get down there to Miami, it was just players on the floor, no wives, no kids. I'm like, oh, yeah, see, he the man. <laughs> Oh, all right. I'm giving you another one. Um, I'll, I'll give you two names. That way you can run with it because uh, they were partners yeah. in crime. Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis. All right. So Rob Rob, uh, Rob and Freeney, man, Bring the Heat Boulevard. Um, I just got a different a different love for Rob, man, just because he 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 was going through that journey before me. You know what I mean? So being a fifth rounder, coming from Alabama A&M, um, being small for his position, and you know he started on special teams. He was a special teams dog. So nine eight man, he he. I just look at him different. You know what I mean? He's just a different breed. But the way he just played the game, um, the leadership, and then with with with, with Franey man with the spin move, um, and his, just their dominance together, and just to be able to see them them competing against each other, trying to get to the quarterback, just made my job easier. Um, and I really couldn't really picture it when we was on the field. But when we used to sit in the um in the film room and just see how them boys used to do them offensive tackles, man, it was it was lovely. <laughs> it was lovely. Well, I'm gonna give you one. I could give you a bunch of them, but I'm gonna give you one more because I don't want to keep you on all these. But when you went to San Francisco, Colin Kaepernick, yeah, favorite story, man. Um, I would man really his transition was 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 crazy to me. You know what I mean? Because you know when I first got there, Cap was was Cap, you know what I mean? And Cap now, when Cap, when I first seen Cap, it was two totally different people, you know what I mean? And, but what he did, it speaks volume of his character and who he is, you know what I mean? And um, it was, and, and still to this day, man, and obviously we've seen it, why he did what he did, and being able to to stand up for, for what he believed in, what every, a lot of people believed in, um, it was, it was, it was, it was commendable, man, commendable. But take us back for a minute to that, because you were there in the middle of it from the very beginning. What was that whole atmosphere like, that whole thing when, when obviously Steve was the first to report it, um, you knew what was going on, having been, you know, being a team member and whatnot and, and having conversations with him. What was that whole environment or atmosphere like 
in the locker room, people think it was it was it was crazy, but it wasn't. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It was when he first when he first sat down. We was um, playing in Denver preseason game, and really nobody noticed. Nobody noticed. Somebody took a picture from way up above, and you know, put it out, and um, you know, started asking questions. And the team we got in front of it as captains or whatever, um, we asked him to speak up and you know, speak on why he was doing this in front of the team. You know, some guys knew what it was, some guys didn't, uh, but guys respected it. Guys respected his decision. So as far as in the locker room, it was no real riff. You know, the riff came from when the outside started speaking on it and putting their two cents on it. And obviously, you know, he 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 thought it through where, you know, um got to San Diego and he met he met um with the guy he met with and you know Nate he was Boyer. Nate Boyer. And you know, Nate was like, Look, it it could possibly be better or perceived better if you would do this. And Cap right. did that. You know what I mean? Right. He took a knee. And we, we all knew what that was about. It wasn't a, nothing about the flag. Um, but, you know, inside the locker room, man, from the coaches to the front office to his teammates, even if you didn't agree with how he was doing it, you understood why he was doing it. Um, and, again, man, hats, hats off to Cap, man, and, and what he stands for as a man. You know, you were a Super Bowl champion all the accolades you've had and whatnot, I, 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 I'm, I'm guessing, I'm assuming here, and maybe I'm wrong to assume, but I would assume that was one of the more um, poignant, significant moments in your career to be a part of something like that, where you're basically in on the ground floor of history. Because when we look back on sports decades from now and whatnot, that movement the cap started, um, you were there. You were part no, of it. No question, man. And, you know, I get, you know, People ask me that all the time because, like you said, you know, I, we was we was in it and we seen it firsthand. We seen it unfold. We seen the media all in the locker room, um, and you know that's that's something that you know we'll be able to talk about and just know you know being able to know Cap personally, be able to know Ed Reed personally, and just know how they are, um, how E Reed's a family man, and just how smart these guys are, man. It was it was something um, like you said that goes down in history and something that I will remember um, to the day I'm gone. And Jim, let, let's take the people real quick inside that locker room. And Antoine, like your locker was either one or two away from Eric Reed. I think it was right next to Eric's, wasn't it? Yeah, it was right. Yeah, we was right next to each other. Yeah, right next to each other. And, you know, Cap was across the room, but of course, I was there hanging out for a couple of days after you know the story and whatnot. And I would come talk to you, like you know, how's everything going? You like, and you were expressing like it's all good. Like we are good in here. And yeah. at this point, but at this point, remember initially, Eric was like really thinking about things like he hadn't joined cap and in, in taking any and see eric i remember talking to eric because alton sterling where eric is from down in baton rouge louisiana had just been killed on tv by police and i was like eric you know you're you're where you grew up this is happening what cap is talking about ha is happening in your backyard he's like i know he's like you know i've been talking to my pastor down there i'm trying to figure out i'm trying to get my head around everything right now and then eric came out and, you know, and stood with Cap. And from, from from my understanding, him and Cap weren't really that that tight until all of this came about. And now, of course, they're they're brothers through and through. Yeah. I mean, just just kind of what about some of the intellectual conversation going on? Because I know when I would talk to you and Eric, even before this blew up, I mean, the, the processing and the thoughtfulness you guys put behind everything was just great conversation just to have. And just maybe what that part was like, even in your little corner of that DB locker room. Yeah, so like you said, me and Eric, we um our lock was right next to each other. And me, we had formed a 
a friendship just because of our families. You know, our wives were friends and, you know, um, our kids and things of that nature. And we was in the same DB room. So, you know, our conversations were hitting a little different. Um, and just how we were kind of portraying to the younger guys in the room who kind of wanted to do the same thing. We was like, look, like, first, you got to educate yourself on the, the whole subject matter just because, you know, we're going to have more media in the locker room and they're going to be sticking this, uh, this microphone in your face. So you got to understand, like, if you don't want to talk or you're not comfortable talking on this, on this subject, don't. You know, so these are the type of conversations we were having in the locker room just because we knew what were what was about to happen. Um, and outside of that, we were already ha- we were having roundtable discussions within our um, within the organization. You know, um, Jay York did a great job of just leading it and, and being on our being willing to listen to what we were saying. Um, bringing the police officers of the San Francisco uh, Police Department into the building. So we were having conversations, regardless of what anybody else was thinking outside of the uh, of the building, inside, man, we were we were together. And again, like I was saying, like even, you know, some of our, well, you know, uh, some of the white players, they were in these conversations. Phil Dawson, it was it was Joe Staley. It was real conversations, man. And, and what I appreciated about it was, it was if you agree with it or not, we were all respectful to one another as men and as teammates and brothers. And that was the most important thing. All right. Well, Antoine, we know you got some business ventures uh, to take care of there and in a lot of different places. We're proud of you. You know, you're always our brother. Um, we are, we are bison for life. Yes, big sir. time, big time for us. And also don't forget to check out Antoine on the man to man podcast with Darius Butler. We're going to keep on doing our thing, right? Twan? As always, man, I appreciate you guys leading the way, man. And again, man, um, accepting me as a bison brother and uh, being some and two guys that I can look up to, man. So appreciate you guys. No, bro, we respect you definitely the way you handle your business, what you were able to take care of, and also you educating the young folks coming behind you. Because just like you talked about that conversation you had in that 49er locker room with those young dudes, they yep. need to hear more of that from folks who know the real, you know. Um, cause it is a business. I always say it's not a game. It's a business and, and sure. guys like you help educating them. That's, that's, that's huge, man. So I know you're going to do great things going forward. So I look forward to seeing you back on campus one day. And I just ask you not forget the little people, you know, <laughs> nah, not at all. Not hey, at all. You know, it's love. Hey, 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 Jim, when we, when we induct Antoine to the black college football hall of fame coming up soon, just make sure you're there. Cause it's going to be a good one. I will yeah, be man. there. Count on it. Count yes, on it. Sir. Steve, absolutely one of um, one of the more favorite people that I've covered in my time in the NFL. Just one of the realest dudes. You know, when you went into the locker room, you could have an honest conversation with him about the team, about life, about whatever. He knew what he could say and what he couldn't say as it related to the team. So there was never that that crossing of the line. But just a real dude, man. So um, I'm happy to see him doing well. Uh, 14 years is a long time in the NFL, and he did it well. So much respect and much love to to Antoine. And, Jim, you know, the amazing thing about Antoine, I talked about those four seasons in a row where he had 100-plus tackles. I mean, I'm talking like 120. 100. Antoine's not a big guy, right? And so for his body to hold up and what he had to go through to get 
through 14 years is absolutely amazing. You know, you heard about how Tony Dungy, when we had him on the podcast last week, just spoke with Antoine and such reverence. How when he came in, former walk-on at Howard, when he came in and Dungy was like, oh, no, this guy is going to start right away. He, he's that type of player. And to have that impact, to know the respect that he carries, you know, it, it's just it's just an absolute um, fantastic thing to see. And now what he's doing post-career, yeah, he's getting to the media. He's got some business ventures going on. Just just a sharp guy. You know he's going to be one of those real successful guys you're going to read about in the Fortune 500 magazine, mm-hmm. you know, in the coming years, you know, relieving student debt and things like that mm-hmm. uh, from people because mm-hmm. because he's going to do so well. Um, Jim, as, as we move forward, um, you know, we've got – We've got the big weekend coming up, the uh, the conference championship games. And, you know, it's an interesting question when you look at the quarterbacks um, in this game. The AFC or the NFC, you've got Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And the AFC, you know, you've got the young fellas. We've got Patrick Mahomes, who we think is going to play. We've got Josh Allen. And it, it kind of steers back to what we were talking to about some of the older quarterbacks at their point in their career and then the younger quarterbacks coming in, making sure that the the NFL carries on. When you look at this weekend of games, I mean, what are some of the thoughts, again, when you look at the quarterbacks and where certain teams are going as opposed to others of these four teams? Um, look, all these quarterbacks obviously are extremely talented. You don't get to this point in, in almost all cases without a talented quarterback. As I study these games, I mean, the one thing, and and look, I, I own up when I say something that um, turns out to be wrong. I really thought Green Bay would take a step back this year. Um, I had questions about them coming into the season from the standpoint of physicality, what we saw last year when they played San Francisco. San Francisco dominated physically against these Packers. Well, that's not the case this year. They have shown they can win any kind of game, physical, fast, whatever. And I just think that Aaron Rodgers right now is on another level above. And, and that's even it's hard for me to say even above Patrick Mahomes at this moment. He is just clicking. And I know <clears throat> that the Bucks beat the Packers earlier this year. I, I don't place a lot of stock in that right now. You look for those teams that have a certain momentum to, to them and just a vibe. And what I see with the Packers right now is just something that looks really special. On the AFC side, that's an intriguing game because, look, I just think Kansas City has so many weapons. I I just don't know how you stop them. You know you're going to have to score roughly 30 to beat them um, if Patrick Mahomes is healthy and can play. Can the Bills put up those 30 against this Chiefs defense? I don't know. Um, I think, obviously, they're talented offensively. They've been playing well. Josh Allen has really come on. We see Stefan Diggs, what he has done. I have to believe that Spagnolo is going to say, you know what, the one guy we got to take away from Buffalo is Stefan Diggs, and that's the way he'll scheme his defense. So can those other guys make enough plays? I don't know. And so for that reason, I have to say right now, I'm going with a Kansas City Green Bay Super Bowl. Can you imagine, like, how happy State Farm would be if you've got Aaron Rodgers against Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl. They probably got a package of commercials already oh, made. For, for already my, shot. For, already shot uh, yeah. to get that to get that started. You know, one thing I'm also looking at is, you know, we talk about how coaches have adapted to some of these new offenses, some of the talent to get these rookies and these young quarterbacks going well. Well, look who the coaches are. I mean, Andy Reid, veteran. Sean McDermott, you know, he's been in the league 
for an awful long time. Bruce Arians has been in the league for an awful long time. And Matt LaFleur is the only kind of young, new generation coach here. So I give props to all of these coaches for Matt LaFleur teaching an old dog, you know, a new trick, so to speak, and Aaron Rodgers, and then everybody else adapting and growing and maturing. And that means the coaches just as much as these quarterbacks. But I am with you. I think we are going to have a Green Bay Chiefs Super Bowl. I think these games actually are going to be very, very close. Um, So, Jim, why don't you go ahead and bring us home? All right. We thank you for subscribing. We thank you for listening. Please continue to leave us comments, what you would like to hear, who you would like us to have on, what topics you would like us to address. That way, we can give you more of what you're funkin' for. That's right, Jim. Again, we want to thank our guest, Antoine Bethay. Happy retirement to him, to Philip Rivers. Also, got to give a shout-out to our producer, who has just been killing it, Thomas Warren, just doing fantastic thing on the ones and the twos. He's the one who really stirs this drink, which is known as the Huddle and Flow podcast, which is presented by Intuit, the proud makers of TurboTax, QuickBooks, and Mint. All right, for my guys, Jim Trotter and Thomas Warren, I'm Steve Weich. We are the Howard Mob, and we are out. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.